Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. All right, welcome back. I just started it, therefore you should talk too. Uh, all right. <laughs> so our last one was Kratom. Kratom. So we're switching to all the other drugs. Yeah, we have some other fun stuff coming up on... Don't say fun. Rural this, oh, I was opioid like, this, stuff. This is not fun. This uh, is some of the more suicide. But this today, uh, as you may recall, we had a little, a little uh, talk on opioids and suicide. And so we're going to touch on some of the other things. But at some point, we'll have one on alcohol and suicide, correct? Oh, I didn't really listen to the other one to decide whether we would have alcohol as well. Yeah, I don't think we did alcohol in the last one. Or maybe it was alcohol and not. No, it was all opioids. We should do one just on alcohol and suicide. I'll print that up. Anyway, let's so, start with tobacco. Yeah, I think most people would be surprised to find that there's actually a pretty significant impact that smoking has on suicide. And I... I think that if you think about the fact that smokers have twice the risk of a non-smoker, even if you've smoked before, your risk is higher than the average population. Which makes weird sense. But yeah. I wonder if it's because, you know, the whole adage with, with uh, nicotine is that it's good for you when you're down. It can give you energy and it kind of calms you when you're anxious. And so if it's just kind of maybe people who smoke tend to be on one of the other spectrums or both spectrums, which are also high-risk groups for suicide in general? I'm way elaborating or extrapolating here. Yeah, I don't think you could name a study. Uh, that no. Says, but but no, I think I the other thing, too, though, think about, you know, people probably have a predisposition to smoke, like maybe they have an anxiety or they have depression that's maybe undiagnosed. Pretty sure that's what I just said. Uh, it's... You said it in a really long way, and I said it in like 10 words. Okay. So it we said the same thing, but mine came to the point very quickly. But, yeah, it's really pretty interesting. And they've actually, uh, um, you know, in some of these studies, it's it's cigarettes are always mentioned. And I never really had the thought about that. I guess I would have, if you'd asked me, I'd have said no. I don't think it makes a difference. Okay. Well, we don't have any of those studies in front of us, so let's jump to stimulants. So this, yeah. you do have some 26 studies in review. Yeah. And when you, it's interesting because for the most part, when they find um, these patients who have succumbed to suicide, they have always checked and said, well, these are not patients that died of acute toxicity. I mean, I think. Well, most, unless you're having like a cardiac spasm or, you know, vasospasm due to cocaine, you don't really die of a stimulant. I mean, rhabdo maybe. It's it's well, there are stimulants. It's more difficult to die of a stimulant toxicity than like anything else. I mean, it's not all I'm saying is it's less likely than like an opioid. Yeah, no, I don't have those right with me. If you look at the and actually I think last time we looked at whether the percentage of things that are in a person's system after they've committed suicide. And of course, alcohol and opioids are, are probably twice as high as people with meth, with meth or another right. stimulant. But when you look at the studies, you know, some of the studies are as low as 0.1% have, uh, have a stimulant in their 
system all the way up to 23%. So, I mean, it can be very different as how often you see meth in a in somebody who's committed suicide. But it is increasing. Yeah. The more stimulants, all of that. Yeah. So. It, it clearly contributes to kind of that increased risk of attempted suicide. Um, there was one really interesting study, and you always like the studies with ACE scores, and they showed that people who had ACE scores that were actually higher than three actually tended to have more chance of of leaning towards suicidal ideation and actually a completed suicide. Uh, and the higher your ACE score got, the more likely you were to to uh, commit suicide. Which but, is very well known. Yeah. And so to seven me, or higher, your chance of suicide is way high. It's 1,440% higher. Yeah. So, so when I looked at this. Meth has been on board at attempted suicide. I have a hard time going as far as saying that they intentionally did the meth prior to committing suicide. Yeah. You know, like you, you can't, there, there can't be causation in much of this data unless there's literally a, a note. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, I think that to me that was just like, well, yeah, that's what I'd expect. Um, it's interesting, though, when you look at methamphetamine and suicide, there's actually protective effects. So if you're financially, you're doing okay, using methamphetamine may not be as uh, significant a risk factor. Uh, but the obvious thing is if you have psychosis or hallucinations, that has much more um, association with suicide, which we'd so, expect because we see that as well with, with marijuana, which we'll so, talk about. Devil's advocate here. Uh oh. Psychosis and visual hallucinations, strong association with suicide. Easy for you is to say. Is that, though, an intentional suicide? Or is it if you're in a psychosis, you know, you hear this, patients with schizophrenia, they'll have a psychosis where, you know, these voices will be telling them to do it. So they may end up committing suicide, but not with the intent of committing suicide. It's because of being in the psychosis. Yeah, you just went way over my head. Well, I mean, if it's it's whether there was intent there of the suicide or not. Yeah, I get it. Again, there's really no way to know that. Uh, but again, actually, if you look at the patients that we see with marijuana who also have psychosis, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Actually, we'll talk about that now. <laughs> it's like, what page are you looking at? Um, you know that Nora, our friend Nora, actually... Uh, Nora Volkow. Everybody has to call her Dr. Volkow unless Dr. you Volkow. run on the treadmill next to her. Yeah, we we have. And uh, and our friend Will, Wilson Compton also yes. was on this study. Yes. Uh, so he was listed number one, but I think they were all number ones. Well, I mean, it's NIDA. So I think the director and the deputy director of NIDA get to be listed on every study that's done through NIDA. Yeah. So anyway, this was actually just a year or two ago. And uh, they actually looked back at past year suicidal ideation plans, attempts, and actually in both sexes, uh, in patients who were smoking marijuana, uh, both with and without major depressive episodes. Okay. And so when you look at men, uh, if you really want to, uh, men without <laughs> cannabis use disorder. <laughs> no, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> people that were smoking marijuana were 9.9%. With cannabis use disorder. Correct. Okay. Co-occurring with major depression. Yeah, but when they were not smoking marijuana, it was a third of that that had uh, suicidal ideation and plans. So, so smoking Even triples with your risk. Depression. Yeah. 
Yeah. And women, with, very similar. So if a woman with major depression who doesn't... No, no, without major depressive episodes. Oh. oh. Ooh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. So everything I just said and you were agreeing with. Okay, so with cannabis use disorder and without cannabis use disorder in men. So regardless, even if you weren't depressed, your chance of having suicidal ideation plan attempt is three times higher in men. Women, it's almost four times higher with 3.5% without the cannabis use disorder and with cannabis use disorder, 13.9%. That's a high number. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny because we're looking now, are they going to, are they going to uh, legalize recreational marijuana? And we want to list all these things apparently that it, it, it cures everything, but it triples. If you're a woman, it triples your risk of suicide. uh, If you have a cannabis use disorder. So, I mean, it's, it's not insignificant. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it would be interesting to find people who maybe had attempted or planned suicide and kind of what their thought process was prior to their using cannabis. And then like, if you could follow those same people who then at some point also commit or had the attempt plan after they had initiated cannabis and see what their thought process was. I was going to chat with Nora Volkow later. I'll kind of throw that one out. Sure. No, I mean, that would be an interesting survey. I mean, it would be survey. It wouldn't be super, like, scientific-y. Is that That's a, a new word. But scientific-y. wouldn't that be interesting, though, to understand, like, if they had attempted, planned, whatever, with and without, like, the same person, I would be interested to hear the thought process that went into each. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, was it the earlier time was just because of life events or situational and later with the cannabis on board, they just, they ate motivational and da, 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 or it would be interesting to know that. Usually I have trouble following your thought process, but I actually was right on that one. So. It's a higher level of thinking. You can. <laughs> yeah. You're like Spock in a lot of ways, actually. But well, anyway, anyway. So anyway, uh, but here's the deal. Let's say you have a major depressive disorder or episode and you're also smoking a little too much weed. Uh, those pa- those cases, your risk or th- of having those suicidal ideation plans and so on double from the previous. So this is how many patients... Now, again, we have a very select patient population um, have a diagnosis of depression or are in major depressive acute or you know active episode who also use cannabis... A quarter of them, if they're women, at the moment, could be having plan ideation. So that's Correct. something I don't think people screen for enough. Yeah. So let me clarify this one more time so that everybody out there is hip to us here. How was that? It was from Pee Wee Herman. Hold on. Hip, <laughs> hip, hip to us, dude. But anyway, so if you do not have any depressive episodes, but you have a cannabis use disorder, 13... Basically, 14% of women have ideation plans and attempts. Mm -hmm. And if you have depression, it doubles to 24%, basically. Right. Nearly doubles. So men. So that's pretty significant. Right. And men also nearly doubles. So it goes from 9.9% with cannabis use disorder without depression up to 15.5% if they have cannabis use disorder and depression. I mean, the, the bottom line on that one is if you see patients, it. yeah, it's, and, and they have a history of, I mean, the hard part is if they're, already, if they're already smoking a lot of weed and they have depression and anxiety, is it from the weed? And the second thing is these are people high risk of considering uh, suicide. So important to screen for that. 
And if we're looking at adolescence, so back to the whole recreational legalization, which in our state, I think the, the age is still 21 they're trying to legalize, which I totally disagree with. I think it should be at least 25 if it goes through. But adolescence, um, adolescent use and suicidality with marijuana on board, also dose response, yeah. greater risk. It's an exponential curve actually here. So yeah, so the more you smoke, the more risk you have. It's it's very much dose related. So so yeah, I think it's important to understand you know the different things that we talked about that I don't think we often associate with suicide, uh, marijuana, um, and our other friends here. Uh, <laughs> our other friends. Who said that? I would also be interested to see. If there's a lot of good studies or research out there when we're talking about other things like hallucinogens or dissociatives, you know, because, yeah, ketamine can be used to help with depression, you know, the jury's still out on how exactly effective, but so you'd think it would have a protective effect. But if we're talking hallucinogens, I mean, you know, quote unquote, bad trip where you have that paranoia that plays in and what does that look like when we're talking suicide? Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because uh, in the articles that I looked at, I didn't really look for hallucinogens. But again, if we were to take a hint from methamphetamine and when you see, you know, these types of hallucinations, the risk is higher, my assumption would be that there's some increased risk. But yeah, not something I looked at. Maybe that's something we look at in the future. Well, and I want to touch on marijuana too, just because I was thinking the bad trip and the people who like persist and persist. If there's a difference when we're talking cannabis between smoking it versus the edibles, because, yeah. you know, the edibles, people will end up overdosing with it because, you know, it takes longer for the effect. So then they overdose. Then do they have higher risk of suicide than not that car almost went in the ditch? I'm sorry. It was kind of interesting. Well, I think the other thought about that, too, is edibles often have a very better defined dose as how much is in them. And if we think about marijuana that's that's being bought on the street and the percentages of THC and the effects, I mean, it's probably different from that standpoint, too, as what it was even 10 years ago. I mean, it's interesting. I didn't really see data from like 10, 15, 20 years ago. Did this whole suicidality, was it less because of the THC being less? Right. And if it's dose-response related, you, think. you would think. so. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Next week, I don't know if we're doing rural or something like that. Rural opioid stuff. This podcast is brought to you by Ars Longa Media. And produced by Dr. Patrick Beeman. And, of course, the music is by Battle Legs on Spotify. To reach out to us for any type of information or questions, please email us at the Addiction Connection Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, my name is Jacques Stewart. I'm a candy gunman and a roping young fellow I have been. So be easy and free when you're drinking with me. I'm a man you don't meet every day. I have acres of land, I have men at command, I have always a shilling to spare. So be easy and free when you're drinking.
day So come fill up your glasses Of brandy and wine Whatever it costs I will pay So be easy and free When you're drinking with me I'm a man you don't meet every day Every day.